Hey, this is Dan Kogan. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Family in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today and let you know you matter to us because you matter to God. Enjoy the message. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amalek, and said, get up and go to that great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. But Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to try and lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel, had stretched out, and had fallen into a deep sleep. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts on this day. This book was written by Jonah, although he certainly doesn't make himself the hero of it. We get a tremendous insight into who he is. The reality of it is he's a lot more like you and me than we want to admit. Jonah loves God. He loves God's Word. He's a man of faith. He believes in God. If you'll allow me, he would be a church member who would show up to church on Sunday. And he's willing to serve the Lord as long as what God asks him to do is what he wants to do. (laughs) But if God were asking him to do something he didn't want to do, well, he's just probably not going to do it. I know that doesn't relate to anybody in this room. None of us are like that, right? I mean, Jonah really wants everything to be about him. And this is one of the oldest books in the Bible, and here we are in the 21st century in Western culture, but I can look around at many churches and say a lot of our churches are designed because people want the church to be about them. We call that sort of a consumer model of church. And frankly, with so many churches in communities, like here in Pleasant Hill, a dozen or more churches, and we, we want to see our church grow. Now, sometimes we have to sort of get behind why do we want to see our churches grow. We will all say we want to see our churches grow because we want, we want people to know Jesus, and, and, and that I hope that's the main reason. But sometimes, all right, maybe we want our churches to grow because we like to be bigger than everybody else. We like to be part of something more successful than everybody else. There's a bit of a competition factor in town. Sometimes we want our churches to grow out of nostalgia. We long for the day when the church was as big as it used to be and and how it used to function and all the activities we had and all the fun we had. We We have a tendency to remember all those good times related to how large perhaps the church was. and We would like to see it grow like that again. And so when we just want our church to grow, and we have many other churches in town, they all want to grow, 
And many times we're all trying to feed out of the same little evangelical pool, all right? And we're all looking for the people who are looking for a church, okay? So in order to attract those people, you say, what's this have to do with Jonah? I don't really know. I haven't slept much lately, so we'll go there. But all, all, all these people who are looking for a church, in order to attract them and grow, we've got to make sure we add this or we do that or we... We start doing this, or we make this look better, and, we, and we're doing it to attract people because we desire to see people come. And here's the problem with that, you're saying. There's nothing wrong with trying to reach folks, but when you're trying to attract people because you're trying to offer them something that they enjoy or that is, that is, that is more fun and more exciting than some other church, listen, what you do to get them is what you have to do to keep them. And so then you begin making decisions in your church, not based on reaching more people always, but keeping the people you have. In other words, as long as the church is a place where I can go and I can do what I want to do and I can worship God the way I want to worship him, and, and I, as long as it doesn't cost me anything in terms of perhaps sacrificially giving financially, sacrificially giving of my time, taking me outside of my comfort zone, then I'm fine with it. Well, there's Jonah. As long as what God wants me to do doesn't cost me anything I don't want to do, sign me up. But as soon as God makes it clear to me, he wants me to do something way outside of my comfort zone, even something I may be opposed to in some way, I'm not going to do it. And the reality is if we want to see this church grow, if you want to see any church grow, you don't look around to try to grow from, from competing with other evangelical churches. You try to find ways to take the story of Jesus that you know and you share it with men and women and people who live in your community and live in your network and you share Jesus with them and we want to see the church grow on people who don't yet know Christ. We want to see the church grow on new converts. That's what we want because there's plenty of lost people out there for everybody to reach. We get into conflict when we try to all go after the same little bit of low-hanging evangelical fruit out there. Let's just go reach the lost. That's what God is talking to Jonah about. God talks about a city of Nineveh. And as I told you last week or a couple of weeks ago, I mean, that was a wicked city, man. It was wicked, wicked. It was viciously wicked. They were like, it would would be like, they were total enemies of of Jonah and his people. And, And Nineveh was a place where they would be incredibly vicious and violent and sinful and Nineveh, the world, according to Jonah and his friends, the world would be a much better place if Nineveh didn't exist. Did you ever just think, if you could just figure out, I had an old preacher friend of mine years ago named Wilbur Noble back in Topeka, Kansas. And Wilbur, old guy, had a lot of wisdom. He'd say, it's a good thing I'm not God or a lot of you folks would be dead. That's what he'd say. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Good thing I'm not God. A lot of you folks would be dead. I mean, if, if you know, and actually, remember when, when, when um, the disciple John, you know, there's some people who are, who are not responding to Jesus, and, and John says, look, I can tell you what we can do, Jesus. We can just call down fire from heaven and destroy them. I mean, many times for people who, who, who are enemies, people who, who offend us, people who threaten us, our desire is that they would just go away. Here, God's desire is that Jonah would go right into the midst of them, right into the midst of people who would kill him, right in the midst of people who would kill his people, 
right in the midst of people who really sworn enemies. I want you to go there, right in the midst of people. Jonah was spending most of his life trying to stay away from that kind of sin, and God is telling him, I want you to go, and I want you to go shoulder to shoulder with people who are living in that kind of sin. And Jonah just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Now, Jonah gets a clear word from God. His is not unclear. God is not being, there's no hidden message here. God says, I have seen Nineveh. Now, one of the things that tells us, and this is so important, that God, God knows this whole community, the whole city of Pleasant Hill. He knows every home. He knows every person. He knows this whole county. He knows every single person, every sin, every, he knows it all. Nothing escapes him. And God is always at work all around us seeking to draw men and women to himself. There isn't any place so wicked, there isn't any place so sinful, there isn't any place so fallen that God is not aware of it and it doesn't come before him and it's outside of his love and outside of his redemption. And that's really important for us to understand. Sometimes we just turn in on ourselves and we only think of ourselves. God sees this whole world. He sees this whole community. He sees every part of it and he loves it all. I mean, that just screams out of this text. He loves it all. And the reality is, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, everything's fine. We've got great fellowship together. The one thing you can't do is you can't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve said, you know, we really don't believe what you say you really mean. Still, that's still the, heart, the root of all sin. Don't really believe what God says he means. And so we're going to go ahead and eat of it. And they did. And God said, what? The wages of sin is death. Not the wages of really, really lots of sin is death. Not the wages of just the really over-the-top sin is death. But the wages of any sin is death. So in reality, all of us are deserving of God's judgment. Even Jonah. And, and, and so for Jonah to feel superior to the Ninevites is for him not to fully understand and embrace his own situation. And for you and I sometimes to look around the culture and feel superior to people around us because perhaps we live more civilly, we live according to better standards of, of right and wrong and morality as, we, as, as, as men look at morality, those kinds of things. But the reality of it is all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us will make it to heaven outside of what Jesus has done for us. As I've said before, you could take every dollar you have and you could sell it and you could give it to the poor. You could, you could quit your job and you could go serve the poor in the streets of Calcutta, India. It's not going to buy you five seconds in heaven. No matter how hard you try to work, it's not going to undo the sin that you and I have committed. That is only done by Jesus. And see, one of Jonah's problems was he saw the Ninevites as far more evil than he was. Perhaps some of their behavior was more, more abhorrent and so forth, but in terms of offending a holy God, he needed salvation just as the Ninevites needed salvation. But God told him to go there, clear, and Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And you know, again, that's, that's where many of us are. We know God wants us to live, you know, we always say, well, what's God's will for my life? That, that's, again, you heard me say a couple of weeks ago, that's, that's a question we ask all the time. What in the world is God's will for my life? First of all, as I said, that's really the wrong way to ask that question. It's really not what is God's will for my life. The real question is how does my life flow into God's will? I mean, that, that's, that's more important. 
God has a will and a purpose, and his will and a purpose is, is moving throughout all of history, and it's coming to a climax when he returns again and creates a new heaven and a new earth, and he's drawing men and women to him. That's God's will. We know what God's will is. So how does my life flow into that God's will? That's how we have to ask that. How does my life flow into God's will? What is his purpose for me? It's, it's to do his bidding as he has laid it out, and I will find my ultimate joy in doing what God has called me to do. But sometimes we look at it and we say, well, you know, that looks like that's going to be a little costly. That's going to really change my way of life. That's, that's not what I really want to do, and so I'm going to refuse to do it. I'm just not going to be a part of it. I'm going to be disobedient. How many times a day do we openly become disobedient to the Lord? How many times a day do we know he would like us to get up in the morning and begin with some time of personal prayer and reading his word? But we're not going to do it because we just, we're too tired. We've got too much to do. How many times a day do we overhear conversations and we think that would be a good place for me to sort of just insert a little bit about how I would like to pray for you. Could I pray for you about that? Or just to engage in a company. But I don't really want to get involved in that. Or how many times do we sometimes think, you know, I really probably ought to increase my giving to the church, but that's going to cost me something else. I'll just let other people do it. Folks, that's not that different than, than, than Jonah, who said, you know, I, I don't really want to do this, so I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I work with churches all across North America that are dying, 900 a year, And they're not dying because they're following Jesus into the grave. They're dying because Jesus has shown them what he wants them to do, and they've decided they really don't want to do it. They'd rather do something else. And we're going to see a couple of times in this story as we go through it that Jonah, he is so so stubborn, he would rather die than be obedient to God. We think, well, how nuts is that? Look, I see churches all across North America that would rather die than become what Jesus wants them to be in their neighborhood. You say, well, what is God's will for my life? How does my life flow into God's will? Well, look, I'm not talking about what school you should go to, what job you should have, whether you should buy the house on the left side of the street or the house on the right side of the street. You know what Jesus wants you to do. It's not unclear. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. Are you doing that? He wants you to love your enemy. Are you doing that? He wants you to love everybody in this church in such a way that the world would look at you and know there's something different, that we are his followers because of the love we have one for the other. Are we doing that? We get so hung up on sometimes, on well, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to move here? Am I supposed to move? Look. Just do what you know Jesus wants you to do, and the rest of it really will work out. He wants you to give sacrificially. He wants you to to be the most generous person in your neighborhood, the most generous person in your community. What are you doing with your checkbook and your calendar? Take a look at that. And I'm not just talking about giving to Grace Family Fellowship. I'm not ever just doing that, although if you are a member, you should. But, I mean, what else you do? Are you just being generous with money that nobody ever knows anything about, that you don't get a tax receipt for? Do you ever just help people? Are you generous? Do you realize this money is not mine? It is, it is mine to bless other people with. 
Are you generous with your time? If you know somebody's moving and they need your help, you go, oh, I don't want to do that. You go, you know what? That'd be a great opportunity for me to express love and compassion to somebody. If someone needs a place to stay, you can fill in the blank. Listen, if you will live in that way, doing what you know Jesus wants you to do. I mean, you're going to look at this text and go, well, Jesus didn't ask me to go to Nineveh. No. But he's asked you to love everybody in this church and treat them as, as a brother and sister. He's asked you to love your neighbor as yourself. He's asked you to be like the good Samaritan. He said, go and do thou likewise. Somebody who's completely beat up, completely desolate, you've never known, who can't help you a bit, and you're going to spend all you can on him financially and in your own money and in your own time and in your own effort. Remember, we said before, the good Samaritan spent the night with the guy, changed his bandages, had to bring him food and water, probably had to clean him up, and then paid for that, and then paid for whatever he needed in the future. And then Jesus said, go and do that likewise. Are you? Okay, now Jonah's not so much fun to listen to, is it? It's not about just going to Nineveh. Now it's about God makes it clear. This, and we're going, you know, I don't really want to do that. We're just like Jonah. You know, I love God and I love my church, but I don't, I don't want to do that. You mean sacrificially give? Yeah, that's what, hey, I believe that's what God did when he sent his son Jesus. I believe he sacrificially gave. He spared not his own son so that you and I would not go to hell and we would go to heaven. How stingy is us for a go, well, I don't think I want to give that much. Good land. You make Jonah look like a saint. Yeah, you won't be back next week, will you? Probably. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. And I'm not going to love that person. You don't know how that person treated me at church years ago or last month. So I'm just not going to love them. And I don't know about these neighbors of mine. I mean, I'm telling you. Now, let me, let me make it really abundantly clear. You're not going to do any of that in your flesh, all right? You might do it in your flesh for a while. But the only way you're going to really live the way Jesus wants you to live, you're going to be obedient to him, is to let him grow you in Christ, grow you in your faith. And that happens only as you spend more time with him, more time with his word. And that's, that's, it's not in your own power. I'm not trying to preach legalism to you here. It is spending time remembering how much he's done for you worshiping him, loving him, worshiping him privately, reading his word daily, praying daily, spending time with other Christians so that you grow in your faith and you want to be more like him. I saw somebody post this week on Facebook, uh, a lady, she said, you know, I think it was like the first time her daughter's like three years old or something, and she said, she was, her daughter came in with some of her jewelry, and she said, my daughter said, can I put this on, put her mother's jewelry on, you know? And she said, oh, I said, sure, and she let her put it on, and she was just walking around the house, and she was, you know, and, and this, this, this is this first child, and this mother said, I just was overwhelmed with gratitude that God had given me this child, and I just, the love I felt for her at that moment, and so forth, and so on, because she's what? Because she's, she's wanting to be like me, you know, she wants to be like, and I remember, again, when I was a, uh, my boys were little, and how, you know, they would put my shoes on, you know, and try to walk around in my shoes, because they, they want to be like me. What, what's our motivation for wanting to be like Jesus? Is it fear? Did my little boys put those shoes on and walk around the house in my shoes because they were afraid of me? Because they, they, did that little girl put her mom's jewelry on the other day, walk around? Could, no, because she loved her mom and wants to be like her. The more you love Jesus, the more you want to be like him. And the more you want to be like him, the more you'll love other people. 
And the more you'll do what he wants you to do. So before we just skip through this and say, well, God's never called me to go to some far off country where everybody hates me. No, but he's called you to give sacrificially of your time and of your heart and of your money. He's called you to be generous. He's called you to be caring. He's called you to be loving. Husbands, I could go on all day, except I got a flight to catch. Husbands, he's called you to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Why don't we just start with that? You love your wife that way 24-7? What about when she's having a bad day? What about when you've done something you shouldn't do? What about when she doesn't feel good physically? What about when she, quote, and I know this never happens, but when, we, when you perceive that she nags you? What about that? Do you still love her the way Christ loves you? Because I promise you this, husband. I absolutely promise you this. She will never disappoint you in 40 years of marriage as much as you and I disappoint Jesus every day. And he never quits loving us. Do we love our wives as Christ loved the church? I mean, Jonah had a clear mandate. Go to Nineveh. You and I have a clear mandate to be that kind of husband. Jonah had a clear mandate. You and I have a clear mandate to be the kind of church members that are loving and caring and supportive of one another. Jonah had a clear mandate. You and I have a clear mandate to be generous people, to give of our time and of our heart and of our money. Jonah had a clear mandate. We have a clear mandate to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jonah had a clear mandate. We have a clear mandate to do what the Good Samaritan did. People who have nothing to do with us, people we've never met, people completely outside of our sphere of influence who can never help us, but we're going to love and care of them because we have compassion on this world. So many times when people become church members, they feel like that old American Express commercial, you know, uh, that membership means something, you know, membership uh, it gives me some sort of, in, I forgot the commercial. There you go. I shouldn't have, should have read it, written it down. But basically, membership for many people means it gives, oh, membership has privileges. That's what I meant to say. That old commercial, membership has privileges. So many people, when they look at church membership, they think, well, it has privileges. No, no, your privilege is you ain't going to hell. That's your privilege. Your other privilege is more important than that, more important than that. Your other privilege is your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and your Heavenly Father has prepared a place for you in his home, and he's going to come and receive you, that where he is, you will be also for all eternity. And you're going to be in the midst of unbelievable, unimaginable joy for all eternity. That's your privilege. And so the idea that you have some privilege here in a church, and people should do what you say, and your, point, your opinion should matter, and, and that is just not, it's not there. You know what God wants you to do. I know what God wants me to do. So what happens when we don't do it? Well, let's look real quickly as we conclude. But Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. You and I have been there. We know when when God starts speaking to us and we don't like it. I don't, because if I listen, I'm going to do what he wants me to do, and I'm not ready to do that yet, so I'm going to flee from the presence of the Lord. Jonah knew physically he couldn't flee, but he had to get away. And so he, he, and that's what we do. We find ways to escape from the presence of the Lord. We quit reading our Bible. We quit being consistent in our, in our worship attendance. We quit thinking about the things of God. We turn more to the things of the world. We turn away from him. We become cold. We become hard. We become cynical. 
And in all of that, we're fleeing from what God wants us to do. And he went down to Joppa, and there he found a ship. And I'm going to end with this. And hey, look, I, I go down to Joppa, and here's a ship, and it's ready to go, and I'll pay my fare, and I'll get on it. Look, you could even say, look, God's provided this ship. I can't tell you, oh my goodness, how many times people who literally are being disobedient will say, well, look, God provided this. can't believe I'm going to say this. I was a youth minister for about a year and a half. Seemed like 30 years, but about a year and a half. I'd get these kids come to me, and they'd say, you know, I got this girlfriend. She doesn't go to church. She's not a Christian. But why would God, why would God just make me fall in love with her if I'm not supposed to be with her? Why would this shift be right here if I'm not supposed to get on it? Oh, my goodness. I mean, seriously, I'm not going to go beyond that because you won't ever have me back. But some of us rationalize our sin away by saying, well, God, he made me this way. Oh, my goodness, don't ever say that. Oh, please, i got to hurry. Oh, please. I mean, I'm serious. I'm serious as I can be. You know, I'm just cantankerous. God just made me that way. No. That ship's right there. i got to get in it. No, you don't. You know, I just can be kind of grumpy sometimes. That's just how I'm wired up. No. No, just because that ship there, you don't have to get in it. Just, just, okay, I got to hurry. Also, anytime you want to run from God, Satan will provide a ship for you to get into. Okay? There's always going to be a boat. <laughs> You're never going to be without a boat. That could be drugs, it could be abuse of alcohol, it could be a sexual relationship you shouldn't be involved in, it, should, it could be an emotional affair of the heart you shouldn't be involved in. If your husband or your wife and your marriage isn't going really well, it takes a lot of work for a marriage. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other series. But you know, sometimes it's easier, especially when you can just text and somebody's flirting with you on a text and you're flirting back and you're just, you're never going to do anything physically, but you're sure enjoying the attention. That is a boat It's going to take you to a storm. You want to fool around with pornography a little bit? That's a boat. It's going to take. It looks. It's. It's an escape. That is exactly what. That's exactly what. What Jonah was looking for. He was looking for an escape. And believe me, if you want to escape from from what God wants you to do, Satan's going to provide a boat on the spot. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to our show so the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready whenever you are. And secondly, if Grace Family has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description and make a donation now. And we'll see you next time on the Grace Family Podcast.